gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the Steam and Wise Guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Hey, welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King from King Creole Sports, and we're set to go against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards. And what a week of action we've got on tap this week as we head into the month of October, week number four of the National Football League season, college football. Week number five, Victor, if you can believe it, we'll be going into week five in college football. It's been quite a season thus far. We are already turning the page in the month of September. That is uh, for sure. And a fantastic weekend. We got, what, one, two, three matchups of top 10 teams in college football. Saturday was a good day for you. You hit your first five-star game of the month. Uh, Auburn over LSU, an outright underdog winner. Nice call there. Our totals plays in college did very well over the weekend, too. 2-0 on Saturday, we went over the total in the Florida State game, and upon further review, we ended up did going over the total in that game we talked about on the podcast last week, that Arkansas-Texas A&M game, so a good week for our college totals as well, and we're going to be talking about a dandy in terms of our college game of the week, but uh, like you touched on, some big, big matchups this week in college football. Huge matchups this week, Victor. As you said, three top 10 teams are going toe-to-toe this weekend. There'll be a lot to be said about what will happen eventually in this year's college football playoff picture based a lot on what happens this week. I know what happened last week wasn't good for Les Miles, who was fired and canned from LSU after that tough loss he suffered at Auburn. A little bit of game mismanagement, I think, went a long, long way towards his getting the pink slip in that particular contest. And as I review the stuff, Victor, I know you've got a little bit of a rundown you want to share with our listeners as well, but in my tally of what it is that I do, and I'm talking about working out of things statistically from the Midweek Alert football newsletter, which, by the way, had a terrific opening week last week, I found last week there were 15 college football games that found teams go inside out in the stats. That means they won the game but were out yarded in the stats. Four of those included 100-yard reversals in those football games, and these are great handicapping barometers. If you're looking at football teams, you're doing your own handicapping. It's really, really advisable to look inside the stats at how these teams are actually performing in the trenches on the field. I also found 12 straight-up favorite losers, teams that were favored in football games last week that lost the game on the scoreboard, five of which that were double-digit favorites. And also, amazingly, eight overtime games in college football last week, and that's the most ever in one weekend since the inception of college football. Eight games went to overtime in college football last week. Victor, that's my tally on the football card. What did you find from last week's college football action? Well, from a totals perspective, Saturday was a great day for overs. 30 out of the 48 games on Saturday went over the total. We picked a good week to be on nothing but overs on Saturday, so a high-scoring Saturday in college football. And, Mark, if you're asking me which conferences or which teams are kind of glad that the month of September is just about over, I would submit to you uh, probably four. Number one, of course, being... LSU with less miles out and there's already speculation as to who's going to take over there eventually in Baton Rouge. You're hearing the Jimbo Fishers, the Tom Hermans, the Bobby Petrinos, maybe even the Art Bryles out there. But it was also a rough month for the Big 12 Conference and what looks to be uh, what's maybe going to be a down year for the Big 12 Conference. Only three teams in the top 25, the highest ranked, Baylor at number 13. I think it was a rough month of September for the Notre Dame program with a couple of tough losses. It was also a tough month for the Los Angeles era. Area, You know, the the season began, Mark, with UCLA ranked number 16 and USC number 20. Today, they're both unranked and a combined three and five. So a rough first month of the season for the L.A. area as well. It was all, like you say, a rough season uh, that way for the L.A. area, whether it's Louisiana, Los Angeles, whatever, Les Miles, (laughs) 
uh, the city of Los Angeles, whomever. I'll throw a name in the hopper, if you will, just because we like to talk about some controversy and whatnot. But uh, in that LSU coaching job, you mentioned some really marquee-type names that would have to leave programs where they're really inked into some long-term contracts. It would be a really rather expensive buyout, if you would, for LSU to bring those coaches in there. But uh, there's a coach back in our old former state, Victor, that uh, really, really uh, excelled at what it was that he did. He took a program back to the level of where they were of excellence. He's not coaching right now at any level. That's our good friend Jim Tressel, who uh, went over to Youngstown State yeah. and is now the athletic director there. And, uh, you know, sometimes every now and then a name pops in from where you least expect it. Jim Tressel, LSU, could be a nice connection here. I don't know if there's any ties between those two programs or that uh, individual, but uh, he could be a, a noteworthy candidate on that LSU watch list for this football season. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show over onto the National Football League side of things, Victor, last week. And we're going into week number four of the NFL football season here. We've got some teams that uh, are a little bit surprising are still winless, some teams that are undefeated. Your take, Victor, on what we've seen thus far in this 2016 NFL football season. Well, I wrote about it in this week's totals tip sheet. This is a good week in the NFL season to be going over the total for undefeated home favorites, and there are a handful of those in the NFL. Of course, your undefeated teams as of now are the what New England Patriots, the defending champion Denver Broncos, the Minnesota Vikings, and two teams that I submit are pretty surprising overall. Number one, Baltimore Ravens. And I say it's surprising because given the margin of their wins, this is a team that, that actually could be 0-3. They've been, what, three very close wins for the Baltimore Ravens, but a, a team that has not had three close wins, three blowout wins, and they have clearly the best scoring margin in the NFL is the Philadelphia Eagles. What a start for their first-year head coach and a rookie quarterback in Carson Wentz. Yeah, quite a story going on in Philadelphia right now. They're on a bye week this week. Are the three and and0 Philadelphia Eagles? You mentioned the Baltimore Ravens at three and and0 and the close call games. Uh, also, when you look inside that those close call games, you look at the record of the opponents they've played this year. Baltimore, my goodness, the teams they beat are one and eight combined this football season. So they should be three and and0 on the football season here this year. We're going to find out a lot about Baltimore this weekend in their big football showdown game when they play host to Oakland this week, a little bit of a scheduling advantage, if you will, for Baltimore, but we'll see if they continue their winning ways as they start out three and O this football season. My scorecard in the national football league thus far this season, I found last week, nine games that went inside out. That's quite an abundance of games that go inside out in the national football league. One of which was a 100 yard differential. Six teams lost straight up as favorites last week in the NFL. That's also quite a high number in the National Football League to find six upsets in one week of football action and one overtime game as well. So we'll be tuned in to see what happens here. Week number four of the National Football League season right around the corner. Don't you go away when Victor and I come back. We're going to break down our college football game of the week. It's one of the three top ten matchups we've got on tap this week. That and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need Guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. Attention all serious football fans. If you follow the best football newsletters in the nation, now you can get them all at the all-new Playbook Newsletter Superstore. One visit allows you to download the best publications in the nation, including The Gold Sheet, Victor King's NFL Totals Tip Sheet, PointWise, Sports Reporter, The Playbook, Power Sweep, The Logical Approach, The Green Sheet, and The Gridiron Gold Sheet. Check it out now at playbooksuperstore.com or download your weekly newsletters on the all-new Playbook Cube. 
That's every major football newsletter on the market today. Now available at playbooksuperstore.com. All right, guys, welcome back once again. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread on this week's College and Pro Football card. It's time once again for our featured college football game of the week. And what a dandy we've got on tap in Death Valley where Clemson plays host to L or plays host, I should say, to Louisville in the matchup of undefeated football teams. Victor, your take on this great ACC showdown matchup on Saturday. Boy, this should be a fun game. Eight o'clock Eastern time change, uh, Clemson against Louisville, and this is a game that has a lot of themes to it. It's one of those great, great showdowns that you kind of wish was played maybe a little bit later in the season. Another game I would point out, that uh, Pac-12 game between Stanford and Washington that you kind of wish was being played a little bit later. But it is what it is. This is the uh, what it is on the schedule. And we've got Clemson against Louisville. I think our first touch in the game is the fact that it's a Heisman hopefuls showdown. You know, we put Deshaun Watson on the cover of our yearbook magazine way back in April, and at one point, of course, he was the front runner, the chalk to win the Heisman. Four to one, the odds were as low as seven to two on Deshaun Watson at the beginning of the season, but his odds have increased. The last time I looked, he was all the way up to 12 to one, and that's because the Louisville quarterback has taken over as the chalk as of now. You know, Lamar Jackson, way back in March and April, was 100-1 to to win the Heisman Trophy as early uh, as, excuse me, as late as September the 4th. He was still at 40-1. to He's currently the Heisman favorite now, the chalk, at minus 125. Of course, uh, for you Heisman better, as he's followed by Christian McCaffrey of Stanford at 7-1. to JT Barrett of the Buckeyes, 8-1. to Deshaun Watson, who I mentioned at 12-1. to And Chad Kelly, the Mississippi quarterback, at 15-1. to This is a game of contrasting over-under results as well. You know, Louisville comes in as a perfect 4-0, the king of the overs this season. Meanwhile, Clemson, the Tigers, they've been doing it on defense. They're 0-4 over-under. So when we see such a contrast... It's tough to determine which way we're going to go in this particular game. Both teams 4-0 straight up, of course, but you got a 4-0 over-under team against an 0-4 over-under team. And in fact, the margins have not even been close. Check out Clemson's four unders. Under by 30 points against Auburn, under by eight points against Troy, under by four and a half against South Carolina State with that uh, outlaw line. And then uh, under last week in the weekday game against Georgia Tech by 25 points, that was a game in which uh, we used the under as a King Creole play and won fairly easily. So the average margin for the Clemson games has been my, oh, under the total by 17 points per game. They have not been even close. And the same could be said for Louisville. Over the total by 25.5 points in their opening win against Charlotte, over by 21 against Syracuse, over by 18 against Florida State, a game we also used in our service, and then over by 18 last week in their big win against Marshall. Average margin for Louisville games has been over the total by almost three full touchdowns, over by 20.6 points. So which way do you go? Well, usually I would lean toward defense, and that's the way I'm currently leaning in the game, Mark. The 67.5 was the over-under line that I looked at this morning, considering the fact that Clemson games have averaged 61.4 and Louisville games 65.4. I think there's a little bit of value on this particular game under the total. We think defense rules in these big college matchups of top 10 teams. Clemson, let me see here, 5-13 and 13 over-under in their last 18 home games over the last three seasons. So a good under team at home. They've gone 4-12. and 12, That's 75% under the total against winning teams. Louisville, 8-22-1 in the month of October in terms of over-under results. 5-14 and 14 after allowing 275 or less yards in their previous game. At the current number of 67.5, I think there's a little bit of value on the under. 
I see the game somewhere in the high 50s, low 60s. That's the way we'll lean in this great ACC battle under the total mark. Victor leans under the total in the big showdown between Louisville and Clemson in Death Valley this Saturday. And we talked about this game being a matchup as Victor hit on of two Heisman hopefuls coming into this contest here. And I guess leading the pack right now would be Lamar Jackson. And rightfully so, when you look at his numbers, my goodness, uh, and I've got to say this also, he's not to be confused with Lamar Jackson, the cornerback for Nebraska, who will be playing in the National Football League. This is Lamar Jackson, the quarterback at Louisville. 25 touchdowns he's accounted for this football season here. 13 passing, 12 rushing. And if you think that's not impressive, just consider that those numbers, 25 touchdowns, would tie Texas Tech, South Florida, and Washington for the second most in the country this year. There's only one team in the country that's had more scoring production than Lamar Jackson himself has had for the Louisville Cardinals this season. They've also won their first four football games largely through their defense. And I say that they're all about offense is what everybody knows, but it's their defense that really anchors this football team. They've held all four opponents that they played thus far this season to season low yards. They handed Florida State their worst loss ever. That was the worst loss ever by a team that was ranked number one or number two in the country. And the 63 points they put up on the Seminoles was the most ever allowed by Florida State in a football game. On the flip side, you're talking about the Clemson Tigers here, who very rarely lose a football game in Death Valley. They're 35-2 and two straight up in their last 37 games at home. Inside those 37 games, they've been a home dog nine times, 7-2 and two to the spread when they take on an undefeated opponent as a home dog are the Clemson Tigers. And this matchup, again, this is Deshaun Watson against Lamar Jackson. Watson finished number three in the Heisman race last year, losing out to Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey. And he would love nothing better than to reassert himself as the, the number one candidate. And he can do that by taking down Lamar Jackson and Louisville himself this week. This stat comes from our Midweek Alert football newsletter this week. And the Midweek Alert, as I mentioned here, got out to a great start. We were 3-0 and on best bets, 5-1 and overall on the plays in the Midweek. And we isolated this stat inside the Midweek this week. If you take Clemson's football games that they played at home and you take Florida State out of the mix, they're 33-1 and straight up at home. They've won 20 straight conference home games, has Clemson, if the opponent was not Florida State. The opponent here is not Florida State, it's Louisville, the high-flying Cardinals. This is the perfect spot for an ambush when you find upsets. And when I say upset, I was as surprised as anybody to find this line open up at Clemson minus 2.5 and, and then go to Louisville minus 2. That's a 4.5-point swing on a line in a football game for a team that doesn't justify or is not worthy of having 4.5 points go against them in the Clemson Tigers here. It's all about value, guys, and the value in this football game is Clemson plus the points. That's the side I'll take in this football game. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. Don't you go away when Victor and I come back. We're going to zone in on our National Football League game of the week. We'll also hop out to Las Vegas and check out the Vegas vibe from Andy Isco. That and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence against the spread. There is only one football newsletter on the market today, documented number one win percentage, and it's the Playbook Football Newsletter. Playbook has the top win percentage of all football newsletters in the nation, according to the Phil Steele Power Sweep Newsletter Contest. Only Playbook has best bets, wise guys contest picks, awesome angles, and incredible stats, plus complete analysis write-up on every college and NFL game along with Victor King's NFL over-under trends and Mark Lawrence's weekly Bet You Didn't Know column, as seen in the USA Today Sports Weekly. Get your weekly Playbook football newsletter online at playbook.com and get every edge imaginable this football season. That's the weekly Playbook football newsletter, available now at playbook.com. Hey, sports fans. Football season is here, and it's time to get in on the action. MyBookie.ag is an industry-leading website that offers odds and action on your favorite games. Take advantage of the MyBookie specials before they're gone. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or visit us online at MyBookie.ag to open an account. Pull out your smartphone to sign up with our user-friendly mobile site for on-the-go action. Time to get 
What are you waiting for? Come join mybookie.ag today. Call toll-free at 844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Only the biggest, only the best, only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. Sounds like a little slow Bruce Springsteen song. It's our intro back in from our break here. Welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence, along with Victor King. We're going against the spread, and it's time for our National Football League Game of the Week. We're going to do an intra-conference matchup, if you will, this week when the New York Jets play host to the Seattle Seahawks in a coast-to-coast matchup taking place in New York at East Rutherford. Victor, your take when the Seahawks take on the New York Jets this Sunday. Well, they've finally posted an over-under line while I was working in this week's totals tip sheet all day on Monday. Of course, uh, there had not been a line posted in this game. Obviously, it's because of the condition of Russell Wilson. It looks like he probably will play this week on the road for Seattle as they uh, prepare for their bye the following week. The last time I looked, Seattle was anywhere from about a three-point road favorite. Over-under line somewhere in the neighborhood of 41.5 points. And we want to be careful here because that's a a sharp number, a very sharp number. And we're going to recommend a small play on the under, providing that the line in the game that you get is indeed 41 and a half or less points. We know that the Seahawks struggle against very good defensive teams. They did it in week one. They didn't even score a touchdown in week two against the L.A. Rams. And yeah, the Jets do have a very good Todd Bowles defense Again, over-underlined somewhere in the area of 41.5 points. The series between these two teams, three out of the last four meetings, have gone under the total. The average line, 39.8. The average score, 32.5 points. We know the Jets had their problems last week on the road, scoring only three against a pretty good Kansas City Chief defense. And Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, did not have a very good day. In fact, he's uh, my fantasy quarterback on one of my Cleveland-based fantasy football teams, the team I call Goulardi's Greats, and I've never seen a quarterback in my fantasy football league have a line of minus 12 points in a game, and that's what he got for throwing six picks, <laughs> four fifths. Is he going to rebound this week? I don't know. Not the best opponent for him to rebound. Certainly not the best opponent for the Jets to expect to score three touchdowns or more in this game. What we have noticed is in these West to East games, that Seattle plays a lot. They usually play, what, two, three, four of these games uh, each season where they're a West time zone team and they're traveling East and they're playing an early game on a Sunday against an East Coast team. They are historically good under situations for the Seahawks. Their last nine meetings in these West to East Sunday early kickoff games have gone one over and eight unders. And Seattle's also a very good under team the week before their bye when they're favored by a touchdown or less. They've gone a perfect 0-8 to the under as favorites of less than a touchdown before their bye week. In terms of individual team trends, most of them favor a fairly low-scoring game. The Jets 1-5 to the under against NFC West teams, 1-4 to the under in their fourth game of the season. 1-5 1-5 and five to the under after playing the Kansas City Chiefs on the Seahawks' side. Prior to last week's over against uh, San Francisco, they had been on a run of, uh, let's see here, 1-6 and six over under in their last seven regular season games. So that was their first over in about a six or seven game regular season stretch for Seattle. And again, Mark, we're going to let the line dictate our play in this game. Is the under worth a look? Yes provided you get a line of 41 and a half or more points in this game. Victor King leans under the total in this football game, looking for that key number of 41 to come into play for his side in the Seattle New York Jets showdown game on Sunday. As Victor mentioned, the key in the contest, the physical condition of Russell Wilson, their quarterback. He's been banged up and bruised most of this football season. Two weeks ago, it was a shoulder injury. Last week, he sprained his MCL but word, as Victor says, out of Seattle as he look, is likely to play in this football game. Questionable move, especially with the bye week on tap. One might think that he might want to get him rested and healthy to move the football season on forward here. But nonetheless, Pete Carroll opts to 
play Russell Wilson. That's the word we're hearing as we're doing the show on Wednesday. Take a look inside the Seattle Seahawks football program. Since Pete Carroll's been the head coach, they've had a difficult time putting up yardage on opponents. And I say that under Pete Carroll's lead in the 110 games that he's been the head coach with Seattle, they've managed to gain 400 or more yards only 27 times. That's really an astonishing low number for a winning football team. You might find a number like that to a bad football team, but a team like Seattle, who's perennially in the playoffs each and every year, only 27 times in 110 games have they mustered 400 or more yards in an attack. One of those 27 happened to have been last week. So the question you have to ask yourself is, do they have back-to-back 400-yard games in them traveling West Coast to East Coast this weekend? They are playing typical Seattle football this season, though. You take a look inside the stats. Number two-ranked defense overall in the National Football League, a result of having outstanded or outyarded all three of their opponents this season. The New York Jets, in off their horrific performance against Kansas City last week, a game in which they actually won the stats despite all the picks and turnovers, eight turnovers by the New York Jets in that football game. And I'll say this about those eight turnovers. I found in the past when doing research on situations like that, that teams generally tend to regress back to the norm after an atypically high turnover performance effort in their previous game. Our study was seven or more turnovers. We found teams to go back to the norm the next game. You can expect a much better performance, at least protecting the ball from the New York Jets this particular weekend. They struggled, the Jets have, against teams out of the NFC West, going just 12-22 and 22 straight up with only 10 point spread covers in those games. But when they've been the home team, as they are this weekend, They've won four straight against the NFC West, cashing the money three of those times. Bottom line to me in this football game here is I think you're going to find a cautious Seattle football team here, especially with Russell Wilson's guarded condition here. I'm going to lean so slightly to the New York Jets plus the points in this football game. Todd Bowles, their head coach, has been terrific in his career as an NFL head coach as an underdog. He's 6-1 to the spread, and that one loss came last week at Kansas City. So 6-0 and he was. He's now 6-1. and I'll take the points with Todd Bowles, the New York Jets, for my side in the Seattle-New York Jets football game on Sunday. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And it's time now for one of our favorite segments in the show. We're going to hop out to Las Vegas and check out the Vegas vibe with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com. Andy, how's everything going for you in Vegas this football season? So far, everything's been going wonderful. We're getting into the prime time of the college and pro seasons with conference play heating up in the colleges and, of course, divisional play starting to appear in the NFL, bye weeks getting into play, and we're starting to get some statistics for the current season that can be somewhat meaningful in the weeks ahead. Yeah, a little bit of a mix right now going on, as you say, Andy. We're getting our legs, our sea legs, as if you will, with, uh, for all intents and purposes, a month behind us in college football, week number four of the National Football League. So people like yourself who are really, really analytical in their approach to the football game, especially tearing down the statistics. And once again, I encourage our listeners to download a copy of Andy's Logical Approach weekly football newsletter. You can get it online at thelogicalapproach.com or you can pick up a copy in the playbooksuperstore.com websites as well. And Andy, speaking about tearing down the cards, uh, it looks like so far in the Superbook contest, it's been the people that have followed the consensus that have been torn down literally this football season. If you can, update our listeners on how the status has gone in the Super Contest this year. Well, it's actually been uh, worse than I had reported previously because a uh, listener to the podcast pointed out that the consensus in week one was three and two, not the four and one that I had been reporting the past couple of weeks. And that's because of the giant game where the Giants in the contest were actually a favorite against Dallas by a point and a half, not the underdog that they were on the betting boards throughout much of the week. So instead of four and one, the consensus was three and two. But that was a high watermark for the season because <laughs> week two, oh, and five, week three, oh, and five for the year, the consensus two, it should be three and 12 against the point spread. Overall, looking at uh, all the games involved, uh, the consensus is, I believe, 17 and 31 against the uh, seven, excuse me, 17, 30, and uh, one game had an even number of uh, selections on both sides. If you had just played the top five underdogs each week, you'd be 10 and six against the spread. In week two, there were actually two underdogs that tied for the fifth most popular selection. So underdogs have been the way to go. And in fact, last week in the contest, the consensus of the uh, games uh, on each game, seven games 
featured a consensus on the favorite team, and the favorite team did not cover in all seven games. Well, Andy, is there anybody still undefeated in the contest after the first three weeks, which is probably highly improbable, but uh, has anybody managed to remain unscathed at this point? No, and I think uh, week uh, three had a lot to do with that. There were a few people who were 10-0 and coming into week three, and actually the leader has not just one but two losses. There are four contestants tied at 13-2. and two. There are 30 at 12-3, and three, and then a host of 47 at 11 and four. So we're going to start to see some more thinning of the leaders at the top, but I would not expect this 0 and five of the last two weeks to continue. That's not saying we're going to go three and two and four and one, but at least we'll see a little bit of a step up this week. Although it's very unusual to see all the favorites in the games preferred by the contestants go down. Usually if you have seven favorites, you'd look for a three, four, four, three split, not the 0 and seven we saw last week. Yeah, I would kind of bet the other way as well on that, Andy. Look for that consensus to uh, improve itself, especially after a back-to-back 0-5 weeks. I might want to zone in on those this particular weekend. And speaking about zoning in, it appears to me, Andy, looking at the send-out of the early advance lines that Jay Cornegay sends out from the Westgate Superbook, that uh, week number four, these regular season lines, there hasn't been a dramatic amount of line movement Uh uh, if you can, if you can maybe or maybe run a little bit of that, that by our listeners here, and maybe is it because there have been a lack of injuries or have the games been playing a little bit more closer to the norm? I think we're starting to see a little bit more of the form setting in and so that we're seeing the teams that may have been good last year and have struggled starting to be reflected in the lines uh, posted a week ahead. Now, you did have, of course, a couple of factors this week. Number one, you've got two teams, the Packers and Eagles, who don't play this week. Last week, you had no advanced line on the Buffalo-New England contest because of the uh, quarterback situation uh, surrounding uh, Garoppolo uh, and uh, uh, Brissett uh, going into their game last Thursday against uh, against Houston. And then, of course, this week you don't have a lineup yet, at least as of early this morning at the Westgate on the Seattle-New York Jets game. However, uh, that game did open last week with Seattle a two-and-a-half-point road favorite, and based upon what uh, you've reported a short while ago, the expectation looks that uh, uh, Russell Wilson for Seattle more probable than not, and we're going to see two-and-a-halves and three starting to pop up around the world as uh, as we uh, do this recording. But as far as games that did involve some movement, uh, the Indianapolis Colts, uh, who won at home against San Diego, faced the Jacksonville Jaguars in London, who lost a, a close two-point home game to Baltimore last week. The send-out line, the advance line last week, had Indianapolis a two-and-a-half-point uh, neutral site favorite. Uh, when that line came up again on Sunday night, Indianapolis actually opened just a one-point favorite, and yet it didn't take very long, just a couple of hours, for that line to go back to the line that was put up last week of Indianapolis uh, minus two-and-a-half. The Carolina-Atlanta game, Carolina, of course, off the uh, Monday night, uh, uh, excuse me, the uh, Sunday loss at home to Minnesota, Atlanta off the Monday night win at New Orleans. Carolina had been a four-point favorite. When the line came back up, it was three and a half and then bet down to three. So we've seen even more negative reaction to the results of last weekend. Oakland and Baltimore, that uh, has seen probably the biggest adjustment. Oakland off of their seven-point win at Tennessee, Baltimore off that two-point win at Jacksonville. Last week, the Ravens were in that no-man's land of a five-point home favorite. When the game came back up on Sunday evening, Baltimore down to a three-and-a-half-point favorite where it stayed over the past several days. Los Angeles at Arizona. The Rams off their second straight win. Arizona off a 15-point loss at uh, Buffalo on Sunday. Arizona last week favored in this spot by 10-and-a-half. The line opened Sunday evening with Arizona just a nine-point favorite. That's a point-and-a-half adjustment. They've already been bet down to just an eight-point favorite over the Rams. And then Monday night, we saw the New York Giants and Minnesota Vikings. Giants off that two-point Initial loss of the season, the Vikings with that 12-point win uh, at Carolina. Initially, the Vikings were a three-point favorite a week ago. When that line came up on Sunday, they had been moved up to a four-point Monday night home favorite against the Giants, and they've actually gone up another half point. So we've seen an adjustment towards Minnesota off of that big effort at Carolina and a little bit of a downgrade against the Giants. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com. We just got the rundown of the early advance lines from the Superbook from last week to this week. And I know, Victor, you've got a question you want to run by Andy on the show as well. Yes, I do, Mark. Andy touched on it very, very briefly. But, of course, the International Series returns to London this week for the first of three 2016 matchups. They're going to add a Mexico City as a second destination as well. And, of course, two of the three London games uh, we'll be at Wembley Stadium, including the Colts-Jags this week. From what I know, Andy, 
The field conditions at Wembley Stadium absolutely suck, from what I hear. It's England's way of paying us back for the Revolutionary <laughs> War. But uh, the game's been fairly high scoring in the last few seasons, seven and two over under last nine. It looks like the odds makers have uh, reacted to that with a high over under line of 49 to 49 and a half points. What's the vibe out there for you guys, Andy? Does the game generate as much action as a normal NFL game? Do the people pack the sports books at 6.30 a.m. your time for these uh, international games, these London games? No, there really hasn't been much of a, of a uh, significant handle on these games because of the early starting time. If you've been to Las Vegas, as I'm sure you both have over the years, and you've been in sports books on Sunday mornings, you have those long lines as you approach 15 to 20 minutes prior to kickoff. We've got the games that start at 10 a.m. Pacific, which, of course, is 1 p.m. Eastern, and then the uh, 1 to 125 games Pacific, which is the late 4 o'clock hour games on the East Coast. And you don't see that much activity even an hour before the game, so so when you've got an isolated game starting early in the morning, the handle drops significantly. It's a lot different than an isolated game that starts, for example, at uh, 5.30 p.m. on a Monday night or 5 p.m., 5.20 p.m. on a Sunday night where everyone's been up for the entire day. So you'll see some diehards in the sports book early on having uh, uh, maybe they'll have their uh, steak and eggs breakfast or something along those lines uh, to celebrate the uh, game in London. But uh, you won't see much of an ac action in the sports books until the game is winding down when it gets into about the fourth quarter and everybody starts showing up to bet the mm -hmm. uh, the early starting full schedule of games then you see the uh, the activity pick up we might be seeing tea and crumpets for breakfast this <laughs> week in las vegas <laughs> for the early football game at 6 30 in the morning I'm, andy i'm gonna bet right now and i don't i don't think i'm gonna lose this bet that you will not be seen anywhere in a sports book in las vegas for the kickoff of that football game in london I hate to use the words always and never, but it's probably as close to a sure thing that you will be absolutely right. I'll be finishing up my college work, but that will be being done at home. I understand. Completely I understand. <laughs> uh, once again, visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com. I highly encourage our listeners to check out his weekly football newsletter, The Logical Approach. It'll put you into the winner circle. Andy does a great job analyzing each and every football game throughout the football season at TheLogicalApproach.com. Andy, if you would, before I let you go, your complimentary play on the football show this week. I'm actually going to go to that game in London between the Jaguars and the Colts, and it's an interesting matchup because you've got strength versus strength and weakness versus weakness. The strength would be for Jacksonville, its defense. For Indianapolis, it would be their offense. Uh, the weakness would be the Indianapolis defense facing up against the Jacksonville offense. And I like to look in matchups of strength versus strength and weakness versus weakness, especially when they're as glaring as they are in these uh, uh, matchups. I prefer to look for the defense. And that's where Jacksonville has a significant advantage. This, we talk about teams being priced on a neutral field. Well, this is truly a neutral field. I'm not so sure that Indianapolis deserves to be a two-and-a-half to a three-point uh, favorite over Jacksonville on a uh, neutral field. Jacksonville brings the defense into this game, allowing 90 yards less per game than the Indianapolis Colts. The pressure is on Gus Bradley to get that uh, initial win for the Jags this season. Uh, we've seen coaches before not uh, have a very pleasant trip home after coaching what had been their final game in London and Gus Bradley in danger of doing that. I think the Jaguars will have success going up against Indianapolis vulnerabilities. I'll just not just take the two and a half and perhaps wait for three. I'll have a little bit of a play on Jacksonville on the money line as well as I expect them to break their maiden for the 2016 season across the pond. Andy Isco says the Jacksonville Jaguars saved Gus Bradley's job with the victory, perhaps against the Indianapolis Colts in that London football affair early Sunday morning. Andy, once again, a great job on the show this week. I'm going to wish you nothing but the best of luck this weekend, and we'll look forward to visiting with you next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I'll look forward as well. Mark, Victor, have a great weekend, and uh, let's see that consensus turn around a little bit for the players. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Don't you go away. When Victor and I come back, we're going to put the final wraps on this edition. I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week, along with Victor's complimentary play and my complimentary play as well. When we're back with the final segment here, in just a moment on Mark Lawrence against the spread. The 
The all-new Playbook Cube is hands down the easiest to use sports information app on the market today. Whether it's lines, scores, streaming alerts, newsletter downloads, injuries, or betting tools, the Playbook Cube has it all. To download your Playbook Cube free of charge, simply visit the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, or the Amazon Store. Find out for yourself why the Playbook app received a five-star rating. Only on the Playbook Cube will you find sports pages covering every NFL and college football team, college and NFL coaches and NFL starting quarterback spread records, power ratings, football newsletters, and much more. That's the Playbook Cube, C-U-B-E. It's where day trading meets sports gaming. Get your cube today and start winning tonight. Hey, sports fans. Football season is here, and it's time to get in on the action. MyBookie.ag is an industry-leading website that offers odds and action on your favorite games. Take advantage of the MyBookie specials before they're gone. Time to get it on. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or visit us online at MyBookie.ag to open an account. Pull out your smartphone to sign up with our user-friendly mobile site for on-the-go action. Time to get what are you waiting for? Come join mybookie.ag today. Call toll-free at 844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Only the biggest, only the best, only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome, awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week on the college football card this week. We call it 0 for 4. And what we're looking to do is to play on any winless team in game 5 of the college football season if they're 0 and 4 to start the year and they were a bowl team last season. These bowl teams that start out 0-4 really dig down deep in these Game 5 matchups. They've gone 12-4-2 against the spread since 1990. That's a 75% winning angle. We'll be playing on Northern Illinois. We'll take them plus the points in their showdown game Saturday for our awesome angle 0-4 play this week. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports with Victor's top complimentary play on the football show this week. And, Victor, if you would also let our listeners know what you've got on tap at King Creel Sports this weekend. I certainly will, Mark. Before I get to our free play of the week, I've got some pro football underdog numbers I wanted to bounce off you, perhaps get your opinion, and then maybe you can kind of throw it back to me for our free play of the week. We've been talking about dogs for a couple of weeks now. Primetime underdogs went one and two last week in the NFL Still hitting at 70% on the season, 7-3 and three ATS for the nighttime underdogs in the NFL. Underdogs on the blind after three weeks have gone 26-20-2 against the spread. Not bad. It's been very good for divisional underdogs. They've gone 67% after three weeks, 10-5 and five ATS. And that kind of plays right into what we've been talking about over the last two weeks Uh, All division road underdogs in the NFL now. Since the start of last season, these division road dogs have gone 47, 26, and 1 against the spread. That's a very solid 64% on the blind. The absolute best situation for these road underdogs in divisional action has been when they are coming in off the confidence of a win in their last game. These divisional dogs have gone 21-5-1 and one against the spread. That's 81%. There are two of these such divisional dogs going this week. We're going to let the listeners figure out which two those are in that 81% system. But any sort of reaction from you in this? All I can say is keep barking, dogs. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's where we come from. The school that we come from, Victor, is looking for underdogs first and foremost. I love seeing it in the National Football League side of things. College football generally tends to take care of itself, underdogs over the long course with the many, many games that are played in college football. But underdogs in the National Football League, when they're barking, we're at our best. And we do it because we analyze games statistically and we do it technically out of our database. And as you mentioned, uh, NFL dogs are barking quite well here the last two years we love it look for it to continue here i don't know if it'll keep out that 21 and 5 pace as you mentioned for those uh 
dogs uh, that are off of a win, uh, division dogs off of a win. But nonetheless, we'll certainly keep our eye on these dogs and hope they continue to keep barking here. Great stats, Victor. I really appreciate that. And if you would, I'll hand it back to you for your complimentary play. The college football totals were uh, were looking pretty good. Three and one last week, two and zero oh on Saturday. We'll have a few more going in Saturday's action, and we always post those college football over unders on the playbook.com website on Fridays each week. Our under of the week, we're going to go to the NFL, and I'm going to make this a little bit shorter as well because I just wanted to get a couple of thoughts through on another subject as well. But we're going under the total in the West Coast game this week as Dallas heads out to San Francisco to the West Coast for this game against the Niners. And this is a stadium that is no stranger to low-scoring results since the start of last year. San Francisco home games have gone 1-8 and eight over under with an average of only 30.8 combined points per game. We know they've been having their difficulties ad- adapting to Chip Kelly's quick-tempo system. It hasn't done too much, of course, in their only home game thus far this season. There was only 28 points scored in the opening week. And let's not forget that Dallas road games went an equally low 1-7 and seven over under last year. Cowboy road games averaged only 33.6 points per game. I've got some interesting systems from our database that all point to a fairly low-scoring game. I'm not going to get into all of them. At last look, the line was at 46 We think this game finishes somewhere around 40, 41 points, so we're getting almost a touchdown in value. And, Mark, we're going to be looking to go under in the Dallas-San Francisco game as our free play of the week. But kind of putting things in perspective, and I wanted to just take a couple of minutes and touch on this subject, but it's been a rough couple of days down here uh, in South Florida since Sunday morning when we got the news that a Miami Marlins player died in a tragic boating accident, and that would be 24-year-old Jose Fernandez, the Cuban-American, the guy who finally made it to America. It took him four trips to make it from Cuba to America, the guy who saved his mother from drowning on that fourth trip. And it's been a, a difficult time down here in South Florida over the last few days. Our feelings go out to his family and to all the sports fans down here. And my own impressions in regards to this tragedy is that uh, – I got a little bit of a northeastern Ohio, South Florida slash connection when it comes to some of these athlete tragedies that would just make me feel better if I got them off my chest a little bit. But as a young, as a young kid, uh, my favorite baseball player was Roberto Clemente. And, you know, imagine my shock when as a 13-year-old, uh, he died in a plane crash on New Year's Eve day in 1972, December 31st. And, uh, you know, when you're a kid, Mark, uh, sports are supposed to be fun. And when something like that happens, these are the people that you feel the worst for, in addition to the athlete's family, of course, are the kids, the, the kids who had their heroes. And that death of Roberto Clemente began it for me, uh, Fast forward about seven or eight years later, and I was a student at Kent State University, and one of my heroes was a Major League Baseball player who also went to Kent State University, and that would be Thurman Munson, who died in 1979 in a plane crash, the great New York Yankees catcher, also with a Northeastern Ohio connection, another uh, athlete tragedy that had an impact on my life. And then fast forward about, uh, what, 14 or 15 years later, and these are the the negative vibes that really got to me when I heard about the Jose Fernandez thing early on Sunday morning. And I thought about the feelings that I went through back in 1993 when basically the same type of incident happened to the Cleveland Indians. And that's when in spring training of 1993, when they had a tragic boating accident involving what Steve Olin, Tim Cruz and Bob Ojeda, two of those three players died in that boating accident. And that's something that, you never want to go through again, but those were the feelings that that immediately came to me when I heard about this Jose Fernandez thing. And uh, these things, they, they never get easier to take. Of course, you get a little more emotional the older you get. And whether it's any of these incidents or a Len Bias in 1986, a Hank Gathers in 1990, uh, a Pat Tillman in 2004, or even a Sean Taylor down here in South Florida in 2007, 
our hearts go out to his family, and it's been a rough time here in the last couple of days. It sure has, Victor, and it was really nice that you acknowledged uh, Jose Fernandez's loss. He's really, really an icon down here in South Florida, largely because of his Cuban connection and largely because of the persona and the personality that he was as a person. He was vibrant, outgoing, just fun to watch, fun to, uh, to follow, if you will, throughout his Major League Baseball career and a dominating, and I mean dominating, I'm not overusing that word, Major League Baseball pitcher. He had Bob Gibson-type stuff, and he would have certainly been a surefire Hall of Famer. I'd love to see him make the Hall of Fame on just his short career for what it is that he did do. No pitcher in Major League Baseball had a better home record than he did in his short career. And I think one of the most memorable things for me was watching D. Gordon hit the home run to oh, lead yeah. off the Mar- Marlins baseball game. That has to be in my mind, the most memorable home run in Major League Baseball history. I know we could talk about the Kirk Gibson home run coming off the bench and uh, breaking Hank Aaron's record, yada, yada, and all that stuff. But to watch D. Gordon jack the ball out of the park in his first swing to lead off the baseball game for his first home run this season, it was absolutely a message from upstairs that uh, just – had the hair on your arm standing up and uh, uh, a great, great tribute the Marlins paid to the passing of Jose Fernandez. And they're still feeling the after effects today. And uh, yeah. once again, our tip of the hat to the Marlins organization for the great job that they did in uh, memorializing him and his great life, his young, youthful life. And uh, he'll always forever remain in our hearts down here in South Florida. That's for sure. Thank you, Victor, for that. And with that, uh, let me move on to uh, wrap up the show here with my, uh, what I've got going for my complimentary play on the show this week here. Before I do, I want to let our listeners know that my five-star October Ram is going to kick off this weekend. Five full weeks of my late phone football service, including another five-star college game of the month play and free Major League Baseball playoffs. To take advantage of the five-star October Ram, simply log on at playbook.com or call my office toll-free at 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the football show this week, we're going to take the Virginia Cavaliers plus the points against Duke in another famous anti-Irish letdown for the Duke Blue Devils here. They upset Notre Dame as walloping 24-point underdogs last week. We saw the results of what happens when you beat Notre Dame the week before that when Michigan State pulled the rug out. They promptly went out and lost and were destroyed by Wisconsin the following week. This week, Duke goes home in a homecoming favorite role, leaking oil. I want to call leaking oil. That comes from our midweek alert where they've been outstanding their last three football games in a row. Now they've got leaking oil. They've got anti-Irish letdown on them. In comes Virginia off their first win of the season under new head coach Bronco Mendenhall, who's been terrific in his career as an underdog. You put it all together here. I see win number two coming for Virginia this week. I'll play the Cavaliers plus the points in the game. I see them winning straight up on the scoreboard. That's going to put the final wraps on this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread for Victor King from King Creole Sports. Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas and our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always. <laughs>